It is January 11th, 2022, and it was on this day, January 11th, back in 1989, Ronald Reagan addressed the country and said goodbye after eight years serving as president. And he was getting ready to hand over the reins to George H.W. Bush, who won the election and was uh, headed into the White House from the vice president's quarters. And as Reagan spoke to the nation that night, I remember it because I became a Reagan fan during his presidency. Initially, I had doubts, but throughout the first year, I was absolutely locked in. And I believe he still is one of our greatest presidents ever. Let's go through a little bit of that speech. It's about 32 minutes long, so obviously we don't have time here. If you want to hear the whole thing, it's on YouTube, and you should. You should watch it. But let me just give you the flavor. My fellow Americans, this is the 34th time I'll speak to you from the Oval Office and the last. We've been together eight years now, and soon it'll be time for me to go. But before I do, I wanted to share some thoughts, some of which I've been saving for a long time. It's been the honor of my life to be your president. So many of you have written the past few weeks to say thanks, but I could say as much to you. Nancy and I are grateful for the opportunity you gave us to serve. And just that opening statement contrasted with our current president. It's just a vast difference between the two men. Ronald Reagan was a man of great communication abilities as well as great leadership, and he was called there, specifically called to serve. I never meant to go into politics. It wasn't my intention when I was young. But I was raised to believe you had to pay your way for the blessings bestowed on you. I was happy with my career in the entertainment world, but I ultimately went into politics because I wanted to protect something precious. Ours was the first revolution in the history of mankind that truly reversed the course of government and with three little words, we the people. I love that about Reagan, that he always went back to the founding principles of our country and to we the people. It doesn't feel so much like we the people these days. It feels like the them the elected officials who've now become a royal class. But Reagan was a much more connected to the people, President, at least in my heart. The lesson of all this was, of course, that because we're a great nation, our challenges seem complex. It will always be this way. But as long as we remember our first principles and believe in ourselves, the future will always be ours and something else we learn. Once you begin a great movement, there's no telling where it'll end. We meant to change a nation, and instead, we changed a world. That is so true. Ronald Reagan presided over the demise of the Soviet Union, the victory in the Cold War, and what a brilliant victory it was while reinvigorating American industry and business following the disaster of the Carter administration. Was it all perfect? No. But the guy understood America, in my opinion, and he really connected with all of us. 
Finally, there is a great tradition of warnings in presidential farewells. And I've got one that's been on my mind for some time. But oddly enough, it starts with one of the things I'm proudest of in the past eight years, the resurgence of national pride that I called the new patriotism. This national feeling is good, but it won't count for much, and it won't last unless it's grounded in thoughtfulness and knowledge. An informed patriotism is what we want. I love the fact that he was pushing history. He was pushing the fact that we needed to have patriotism, but it had to be backed up with knowledge and that the popular culture was also necessary to make sure that America and her, her destiny was fulfilled and not derailed. Ronald Reagan had just a brilliant way with words and I believe a deeply rooted faith and a belief in freedom. Our spirit is back, but we haven't re-institutionalized it. We've got to do a better job of getting across that America is freedom. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of enterprise, and freedom is special and rare. And he said it must be maintained. Ronald Reagan's farewell speech truly is one of the great American presidential speeches of all time, not just of my life. And he wrapped it up with a powerful last, oh, about a minute here, and I have to share it with you. It's classic Reagan, and it deserves to be heard again. And how stands the city on this winter night? More prosperous more secure and happier than it was eight years ago. But more than that, after 200 years, two centuries, she still stands strong and true on the granite ridge. Now, Reagan was talking about the phrase he often referenced, the shining city on the hill, which was how America was envisioned by the pilgrims who came here looking for freedom and opportunity. The shining city on the hill, America not just a city, the whole country. And her glow is held steady, no matter what storm. And she's still a beacon, still a magnet for all who must have freedom, for all the pilgrims from all the lost places who are hurtling through the darkness toward home. We've done our part. And as I walk off into the city streets, a final word to the men and women of the Reagan Revolution, the men and women across America who for eight years did the work that brought America back. My friends, we did it. We weren't just marking time. We made a difference. We made the city stronger. We made the city freer. And we left her in good hands. All in all, not bad. Not bad at all. And so, goodbye. God bless you. And God bless the United States of America. Wow. I still get chills, you know, running up and down my spine. I still get the little hairs on my arms standing up when I hear that. I wish not just our president and vice president, but all of our elected officials, the ones at the top of the national political arguments going on, could listen to Ronald Reagan and take take one lesson from Reagan and that is America's greatness 
needs to be nurtured and it doesn't need to be torn down. I feel like so many of the politicians today want to tear us apart thinking that we need to start over. No, got a pretty good system here. So for everybody who's trying to tear up the filibuster, Chuck Schumer looking at you, Joe Biden looking at you. Yeah, Biden's on his way to uh, Georgia today. Biden and Kamala Harris will address uh, Georgia and ultimately the nation on what they believe is the need to overhaul voting in America and make it a federal thing and not a state thing. And it truly is a takeover. This is a takeover of our elections. And I don't like it one bit. So on this anniversary of Ronald Reagan's farewell speech, I really would love it. I know it's not going to happen. I know it's a pipe dream. If um, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, and you know what? A few of the guys and the men and women over in the GOP would listen to that farewell address. Take 32 minutes out of your day today and listen to it. It's on YouTube, Ronald Reagan's farewell address on this date back in 1989. Be a nice playbook for the country instead of 1984, which is what the last couple of years have felt like. Uh, My voice is a little iffy today because... I stayed up late watching football, college football, the best football. And uh, unfortunately, my team that I wanted to win the national championship did not win. Sorry, Alabama. It was the Bulldogs' turn. And if you're a Georgia fan, good for you. Congrats. God bless. It's been 41 years. (laughs) So I guess they were due. But it was a great game. I just think college football... Is amazing if you didn't if you didn't watch it especially if you didn't watch the pregame when they had uh, the anthem sung on television I miss seeing the national anthem before games on television there was no kneeling there was no shenanigans nothing just a great national anthem as a matter of fact it was chilling even my wife who doesn't watch much sports unless we're watching tennis said, wow, that was breathtaking. Yes, it was. That anthem always gets me. Uh, So much to cover today. So many things to get to. Some of it really serious. Some of it kind of silly. And uh, some of it kind of amazing. For example, the story of the American surgeons who transplanted the heart of a pig into a human. And the guy is alive. Still alive after like three days. Now, it was uh, supposedly altered, this heart, but it was the last-ditch effort, they said. We, we will talk to Dr. Roizen about it tomorrow, I hope. He's back from his golf trip. That is absolutely stunning. And uh, I have always avoided Whole Foods. Not really my first choice in grocery stores, and now that Amazon owns them, really wasn't even moving up the list because of that. It just seemed a little too snooty for me. The one in New York City was, anyway. But now I may have to give Whole Foods a second look. Why? Whole Foods is telling its employees they can't wear masks that say Black Lives Matter while they are working. And I think that's great. 
Listen, if you want to wear a Black Lives Matter or a Make America Great Again mask or anything, a Let's Go Brandon mask, but your job doesn't want you to do it, I think the job's got the right to say that. And it looks like Whole Foods is sticking to this thinking. And good for them. But the Wokenistas aren't happy about it. They're not happy at all. And they're going to argue this. But good for you, Whole Foods. I, I endorse this. Don't cave like the NFL did when people started kneeling during the anthem. If you're paying people to do a job for you, you should get to set the rules as long as it's not illegal. A lot of stuff in the COVID going out today. And we should talk about what's going to happen today because Dr. Fauci and, and Dr. Walensky, the CDC director, are going to be in a Senate hearing starting at 9.30 this morning. And it promises to be very contentious as we now approach the second anniversary of the pandemic It promises to be very contentious because these two people have told us a whole lot of different information and much of it contradicting the information they told us before. Like back in March of 2020 when Fauci told us masks don't help, right? There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better and it might even block a, a droplet but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is yeah so that was fauci almost two years ago and then today i wake up to the news that uh, the state where we live delaware the governor has just instituted an indoor mask mandate again if we're told the masks don't work And then we're supposed to believe that they do work and you're mandating them. I I don't believe these people. They've just told us so many different things. Even the Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor last week who told us stuff that you would say, oh my gosh, we're in really bad shape when you heard her say this. We have over 100,000 children, which we've never had before, in in serious condition and uh, many on ventilators. Well, that wasn't true. Not only was it not true, it was not true by about, oh, I don't know, uh, she was off by 96,000, saying 100,000 kids. And the CDC director was asked about it. The CDC director, Dr. Walensky, couldn't, uh, couldn't really come forward on that one. The CDC director, I think, was squirming, couldn't defend Sotomayor's false claim. We can find from Friday suggests there are fewer than 3,500 current pediatric hospitalizations from COVID-19. Is that true? Yeah, the most important thing we can do for those children to keep them out of the hospital is to vaccinate them and to... Now, did you hear what she did? She answered the question with one word, yeah. So... She answered the question, then immediately pivoted to, yeah, but but we need to vaccinate the children. The other story from the CDC director that I hope gets brought up in this Senate hearing today uh, with Fauci and Dr. Walensky is the real story behind people dying from COVID or dying with COVID. And you only have to look back to the recent death of Colin Powell. Here's a guy who was fighting cancer and he ended up 
dying, but because he had COVID, it's listed as a COVID death when COVID likely didn't take his life. So the CDC director said two days ago that 75% of the people who died from COVID had four or more comorbidities. Four or more. That means the vast majority of people who died who are listed as COVID deaths really didn't die from COVID. They died with COVID. And she can't really defend that. She was cornered by Brett Baer about that. And, uh, well, here's what happened. You can hear it yourself. Do you know how many of the 836,000 deaths in the U.S. linked to COVID are from COVID? Or how many are with COVID, but they had other comorbidities? Do you have that breakdown? Um, yes, of course. With Omicron, we're following that very carefully. Our- Once again, she answers the question with a simple yes. And then pivots to a misdirection. Listen, she says yes, and then once again with Omicron. Breakdown? Um, yes, of course, with Omicron, we're following that very carefully. Our death registry, of course, um, takes a few weeks to, and is, uh, takes a few weeks to collect. Um, and of course, Omicron has just been with us for a few weeks, but those data will be forthcoming. He didn't ask about Omicron. He didn't say a peep about Omicron. And we all know that there basically has not been a death attributed to Omicron in this country. There was one initially believed to have been caused by the Omicron variant, but now they walk that back. This is all a game to these people. And I really, really wish that they would tell us the truth. We're old enough to understand and and grasp the truth. We can handle it. We'll see. We'll see on that one. Uh, By the way, there are home shopping channels now that are selling at-home COVID test kits. The government can't get the tests out there, but the home shopping people are selling them. I wonder how accurate they are, but it just points out how ineffective this administration is when it comes to testing. And it was one of those things that Joe Biden was hypercritical about Donald Trump in the early days. The administration's failure on testing is colossal. And it's a failure of planning, leadership, and execution. We will deal honestly with the American people. And we'll never, ever, ever quit. That's how we'll shut down this virus. Hypercritical. Yeah, he questioned Donald Trump's ability to... uh, fight the pandemic while promising he was going to defeat it.